All right, boys, let's get to it, to it, to it. You're listening to Chother Talk, brought to you by the magic of brotherhood. I'm your host, Stephen, and here with me, as always, the second one out, but the first one in, Anthony. And we are Chothers. How's it going, Anthony? Oh, it's so great, Steve. How are you? I am I'm doing well. Um, yeah, this, this may be the very first episode that you don't sound like a robot in the first five minutes. Awesome. I'm getting better every day. Yeah, good. Awesome. plan. Yeah, so uh, this is the part where we usually say, you can follow me on Twitter at MySamePants, and if you want to keep up with Anthony, you can follow him into the bathroom. But uh, I want to add another thing to that. If if you want to contact Anthony since he's not available on Twitter, just at me, at MySamePants, but hashtag RobotAnthony, um, and then we will, I'll send that to him. I'll make sure he gets that, uh, but... Yeah, Anth- robot you can also Anth- hashtag Optimus Rhyme. Yeah, that the, works. The Rhyme Slayer of the Brotherhood. Yeah, that that always works. But uh, Robot Anthony, easier to spell. Usually comes here and starts off the show with us for the first five minutes, and then he usually gets up, walks out, and then Optimus Rhyme Anthony sits down, and um, the takes entertainment his place. begins. Yeah, they're they're both. cybernetic beings but uh one's a little bit more comfortable cybernetting yeah so anyways uh yeah it's good to be here in michigan uh we don't usually get to record together but tonight is one of those few exceptions so i'm i'm ready to make the most of that i'm glad you still haven't changed your dentist it's been what three years now in indiana four years four years so whenever you have a dental appointment we can always count on a overnight trip from steve five hours in the morning five hours at night the next day so glad you could sneak a podcast in yeah i don't i don't mind making the long haul for hygiene and all that kind of stuff Um, plus it's just an excuse to come back and see y'all so i'm glad to be here but uh yeah let's get let's get started with things um so now for everyone's favorite segment the cream scraped right off the top the nino report Great. I'm glad you could introduce it that way. Uh, first thing we got, like like we always do, we'll start out with politics. John Ossoff, you know who that is? Never heard of him. Tom Price? Nope. Okay, so Tom Price is the Human Health Services Secretary Trump appointed. He was a House member in the 6th District of Georgia, and so since he got appointed to Trump's team... That spot needed to be filled. There's a special election. Um, basically, there was a Democrat, John Ossoff, and he ran against about 11 Republicans. The point of this was he needed to get 50% or more to take that district. If not, they'll have a runoff election. You know what that is? No. So basically, the runoff election is obviously when there's 11 candidates going against the Democrat, probably not going to beat them straight up because there's so many to choose from. But now, since the Democrat didn't get 50%, there's a special election where it's the leading Republican, which was Karen Handel, will have an uh, attempt at the seat in June when they redo the election. So it's one versus one. Probably going to go red if you're looking for a Nino prediction. This district traditionally does go red. So that was the chance for the Democrats to take it, but probably not likely now during the runoff election. So... I'm just going to ask the question that every all of our listeners out there are asking, and that is, 
What does this have to do with Gorsuch? You know, I was looking for something special to talk about Gorsuch, but there really isn't anything. Gorsuch. Gore, yeah, good. So this this is just a chance to maybe tilt the balance a little bit, but still not going to be enough to swing the House one way or another. It's still majority Republican, but one seat at a time if the Democrats want to take it back over. And this could start here, but traditionally it's a red district, so probably not going to happen. Wow. That's that's news if I ever heard it. Cool. Hey. What's next on the Nino Report? Yeah, so there's a new trailer out coming August 4th. The Detroit movie is coming out. I saw that. Yeah. What would you think about that? Uh, I, Finn is in the movie. Did you see that? I don't know who Finn from is. From Star Wars Episode Seven. Yeah. The I, black guy from yep. Star Wars? The Jedi? Or the no. guy that ran away? Yes, from from the Empire. Yeah, he's in it. It's all coming back to So me. that was what I was thinking of. Also, yeah, the riots are an interesting part of Detroit's history. Um, I remember hearing Dad talk about him when he was growing up in Detroit and living or visiting his... He lived down there, but his his grandma on the lived, outskirts like right where where uh like a lot of the riot stuff was happening so yeah it is interesting i saw the trailer a couple times and it's obvious to see the riot part of the movie but i'm interested to see what the actual plot or premise of what's going on in that movie besides the riot like i think a- it takes place in like one night of the riot and so is it like the reaction of like law enforcement or the people? Or no, it's like a story of I, it why looks they're like rioting. It's a, it looks like there's, it's gonna be one. It takes place in one night, like I was saying. But it's it seems like it's one of those situations where tension is already wound really yeah. high with everything else. Like that's the context, and then it looks like it's it's like a house party or something happened where like a gunshot goes off on accident. Um, and that kind of sparks like police because the streets are already filled with like police, like, or it looked the like the army military, or national yeah. guard, whatever it was. But, uh, anyway, so I, I'm guessing there's probably some agenda behind, uh, that cause it's a pretty intense topic, but I, it looks pretty interesting. I, I think it'll be pretty cool. Yeah. Growing up so close to that area, I'm definitely interested in seeing something like that. Because I, I don't really know much about the history of the riot, so I'm I'm interested to see the perspective laid out in that movie. Yeah, it'll be fun. Cool. I'll check it out. Good deal. What's next? Next we got, have you ever heard of Tesla? Do you know what they are? Yeah, love yeah. it. So they make those completely electric cars, no gasoline. Um, they're supposed to be coming out with, a new model, the Model S in July. For Steven? Yeah, for Steven. And um, they're really expensive, but they did have a, a price drop hit around 5000 5 to 10000 But the car is already like 70000 So if you're in that market for purchasing that kind of car, I don't think that 5000 is going to make a difference. All of my students love Teslas. And uh, one of them, uh, so he's a senior, a girl asked him to take her to prom and she said if you take me i'll let you drive my dad's tesla i'll let you take us in that and he took too long to answer her and she found somebody else so uh shout out to you out there you're gonna regret that because he's one of the guys that 
loves Teslas the most, so. Yeah. They're, I, they're pretty sleek looking cars. What do you think? They are pretty cool, and you can actually buy a used one online for about 50000 so, you know, maybe that's a little more reasonable, but it's still pretty expensive. But I, I think that this is... If you buy it used, does that still fund uh, SpaceX um, as they're trying to make an expedition to Mars? I don't know for sure, but I know it's through Tesla's website, so I don't know. Because I don't know if you're familiar, but they don't have a dealer network um, where traditional cars have to be sold through a dealer, and that's how you can negotiate and test drive and all those. And it's like a huge lobby thing if you want to get into political stuff. But Tesla is like, they're not like a traditional car manufacturer. They do direct buying to the consumer, um, which actually there's certain regulations in different states. Like in Michigan, you can't just buy a Tesla. You have to buy it and pick it up in Ohio because of the dealer lobby, like regulations that have gone on through the years. And obviously Michigan with the big three auto manufacturers, it's not something that they can easily move in and you know take over. But additionally with Tesla... Do you remember when, like, the flat screen, like, the plasma TVs and all that came out? Uh, well, I don't know, what, 10, 15 years ago or whatever that was? I remember that. That they was a good like, time. They were, like, ridiculously expensive, and very select few people bought them, and it was not really something available that everyone could just get. This is something I see Tesla, I don't know the exact time frame, maybe 5 to 10 years from now, where this becomes, like, a something that more consumers can afford, and maybe it's, like, a $30,000 vehicle, which is average and in, in a brand new vehicle price. And I think you'll see a lot more Teslas on the road I once see, that happens. I see Teslas all the time in Carmel. They're everywhere. There's tons of them. I think if you're in California or some of those other markets. Or Carmel. Yeah, where there's like a higher income per capita or whatever that term is. They look sleek uh, going around all the roundabouts in Carmel. That's Yeah. It's a great place to have a Tesla. It's definitely a pretty cool looking car. Um, vroom, vroom. Yeah, they can, like, you can, like, uh, I heard one of the new ones, you can just click a button and it'll go pick you up or it'll go to where you're at. Yeah, they're one of the so big researchers in the self-driving or autopilot vehicles. Um, that just freaks me out like none other. I, I know that, like, generation hey, before RT, us take this thing off autopilot it's gonna get us both killed yeah exactly <laughs> i think generations before us were scared of other things like internet and cell phones but like this is the thing that is gonna scare my generation or at least me maybe not others but speaking of that do you do you put a little uh tape over your over no. your camera on your computer i don't do that why not i'm not scared of that yeah i don't do that either but yeah We'll see. But actually, the Hope more I, I think die. about it, maybe I would rather have self-driving vehicles instead of people buried in their cell phone driving because they're probably safer. I'd rather have that little kid that learned how to drive on YouTube and yeah, and went to exactly. Burger King Just or change McDonald's. the driving age to, to eight. Me. <laughs> yeah. To eight and that a cell phone motivated. age to 20. You can't have a cell phone until you're 45. Yeah. Um, good, good ethics, Anthony. Yep. Anyways... Cool. Next, next topic. Um, today is Wednesday, the nineteenth. So that means yesterday was April eighteenth, tax day deadline. Did you get a good? Uh, did you get a good return? No. No, I no. did. 
At least I, I think I did. I did my own taxes this year. So I wouldn't broadcast this. I'm, I might have done 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 it right, and I might have done it wrong, but we'll find out. Yep. Hopefully. Take your chances. I, no. I, it was it was fun doing it on my own. For Are you going to release your tax returns? Uh, yeah. Well, I, let's let's hand it over to Twitter. I'll I'll do a poll. Should I release my tax returns yeah. or not? Or good. My is it my W twos or what? What would it be? Whatever tax you want. records. Whatever you want. Okay. But yeah, um, we'll take to depends what you're running for. But yeah, anyways. Running for my life. So for those of you that didn't file, what you need to know if you did miss the deadline, um, if you owe, you better get on it because the IRS doesn't forget about you even though you forget about them. Yeah. But if you're anticipating a refund, they don't care. They'd rather hold on to your money. So you don't have to file anytime soon. You can wait years and not do anything. That's just free money for them. So Good just to know. keep that in mind. I waited till the last day to, f- to file mine, or I, I did it the 17th. Yeah. At nighttime. A Maybe lot of, I did it a lot of people in America probably are closer yeah. to when you did it versus when I did it. Which was the first day you could do it probably. No, a couple months ago. Amen. But anyways. Good for you. So remember uh, a couple weeks ago we talked about coaching rants i'm a man i'm 40 oh yeah yeah so on monday night there's another guy a coach of an nba team that is getting on that list he had one of the best rants in a long time for a coach i actually love this rant because a lot of times they're just whining and looking for facetime and whatever maybe some controversy but this guy was spot on he had all the facts to back it up. His points were extremely relatable. Like you, you felt for this guy. You, you saw what he was saying. What was and the situation? So basically, he coaches the Grizzlies, and they're playing San Antonio Spurs in the NBA playoffs first round. Which my man, in the NBA playoffs, the higher seed usually doesn't lose very often in the first round, and the Spurs are a very good team. Um, I got a Spurs hat at the thrift store. Looks good, incredible. Tim Duncan. Uh, it's usually the hats anymore. don't have jersey numbers on them, but. But anyways, so the the reason he was so upset is because the Spurs, which are a good team with a good coach and they play the game the right way, they were like the amount of fouls and free throws that the Spurs got the advantage over the Grizzlies was just like. Like, there was one player on the Spurs that had more free throws than the entire Grizzlies team had the whole game. And, like, that was just, like, unheard of. Like, all the stats he was throwing out. You'd have to listen to the rant to really do it justice. But um, it was cool because the coach, like, he built it up really slow. Like, there was just a question asked, like, you know, how do you feel after the game? He's like, well, I'm going to go back on the airplane and maybe pour a glass of wine and think it over, watch some film. And, like, he really slow played it. And then about a minute into it, he just went off. And he was just, like, talking about, like, how the Spurs have, like, a seasoned coach and Popovich and a seasoned team of good vets. And I'm just a first-year coach, but they're not going to rook us, talking about treating him like a rookie and feeling disrespected by the officiating. And after he was done with his rant, he does the ultimate mic drop. He's just like, take that for data bam and he's done and just gets off the stage and like there is just so many what does take that for data mean so like one of the big things in sports there's a couple different meanings that you could take that 
for data it's, as it's a but, postmodern world everything's yeah up for so interpretation. like a big thing in sports right now is analytics they're really looking at the different data like efficiency on players doing certain things to if you've ever seen the movie Moneyball, it started in baseball, but, bring that but now it's in hockey. Now it's in basketball. I, I don't know how it is in football, probably. They made it cool. Exactly. Um, so you could take it as that or um, just the modern age of electronic data and social media. You could take it as that, but there's just so many memes out there. and I Take that for data. Yeah, I, I love it. And the, the best part about it, are um, they going to make one of those, ain't nobody got time for that, videos out of well, this? Well, it's funny you mentioned that. I was listening to the local sports radio channel in our area. AM or FM? FM. And the coach sounds exactly like Tone Loke. So in the middle of the show, they're talking about it and saying he sounds like Tone Loke. The producer of the show takes that, um, what is that song? The, the main song that he sings, I forgot what it is. I'm drawing a blank. But but he rips that song and puts the coach's voice over it, and it just sounds exactly the same. Um, <laughs> so it was kind of funny about that. But that's all I got for the Nino Report. What was that? Was that – how many was that? That was five. Wow, Baker's Dozen. Yeah, that's what a Baker's Dozen is, about eight short. Well, thank you for the cream scraped right off the top, Anthony. The, the Nino report. All right. What? So you got a random question. Of, you brought this this segment up last week. What is the random question yeah, of so, the day? So the random question of the day, this is a, a question that I posed to Steve, and he has to just give his thoughts on it. Um, today's question is, at the movie theater, which armrest is yours? Hmm. Uh, so there's a few ways you can look at this. Uh, sometimes I just go in and, you know, I'm feeling big. I'm jacked. I'm swole. I, I, there's a lot of space in between my biceps and where my body goes. So I'm using both of them. I don't care if your arms are there. My, but I've actually never really worked out before. So I think this is a personality thing. If you're somebody that's more sensitive, you tend to maybe not take any of them. But if you're somebody that's more confident in their self or just feel like doing whatever you want, you probably take both of them. I don't think most people just take one and leave the other. I think they either take both or none of them, and then the person next to them either gets both or none of them as well. I usually try and sit next to a stranger and just hold their hand yeah, slowly. I'm, I'm sure you do. I like slowly reach over. Yeah. But so. what about the classic cliche, like do a yawn and then put your arm over her? I think that only works if you don't know the person next to you. Well, I got two arms. I could do that to two people. There you go. Would, so uh, grab a middle seat then. Yeah. I'm always on the end for obvious reasons. Yeah, I, but in all actuality, I, I'd probably be willing to give the armrest to whoever buys the 13-gallon thing of popcorn for the whole row to share. For $25? Yes, yes. Good. But I, usually when I go to a movie, I just... I just put all the armrests up and I just lay across and just lay down in there and watch it. Yeah, that's that's what I heard a lot of people are doing these days. Yeah, cool. That's a great random question. Did you come up with that or the misses? That was the misses again. I don't come up with any of this have, stuff. Have you? When's the last time you and her even went to a movie? We saw a movie a month or two ago, that dog movie, where the dog keeps dying and comes back as a new dog. What? 
You know, I've never heard of this a, movie. A purpose, do- a dog's purpose. So basically this guy has... Is it a, like Groundhog's Day, but with a dog? No, so the this will be number six on the Nino report, I guess. So basically what happens in this movie, a dog is like part of the movie at the beginning. A little boy has his dog or whatever, and he grows up, and it's like his best friend, and he trains it, and eventually the dog dies. But in the movie, the dog is born again in a new dog with a new family, it could it's a different type of dog it might be a girl dog or a boy dog next it, it kind of rotates and then it lives that life and then it dies and then it comes back as a new dog but the dog realizes like how many hours long is this movie it each i don't it's a normal movie an hour and a half two hours but it's cool because i won't give it away but Thank you just you. have to see I'm it really it's, it's a really good movie actually <laughs> sounds like a a you and your wife type of a movie. Yeah, I love. So that it. was the one that got you guys out of the house to go to the movie theater. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was the last movie you saw in theaters before that when I took you guys to see Star Wars. Yeah, probably. I hate going to the movies. Yeah, because of that whole armrest situation. No. <laughs> no. Oh well, I'm glad you guys got to see that dog movie. My favorite dog movie is Marley and Me. Good. Very similar movie. Gets me every time. Yeah. Are you golden giving retriever? away the ending? Is it a golden retriever in that movie too? It's actually a golden doodle. Oh. Yeah. That, at least that's what the guy says. Yeah. I think one of the dogs in the dog's Or maybe purpose. it's a snickerdoodle. I don't know. Yeah, that's what they're called. Whatever. Cinnamon dog. doodle ba doodle All right. Cool. So next we got uh, sports trivia. And this is a kind of a special week. Um, we had people... Uh, giving some feedback this week, which is cool. We're, we're, so I'm not going to get any right? We're getting to that level of, um, man, why you keep why you keep leaning over and burping? I, I mean, I'm glad it's not going to... It's this Perrier water. Yeah, that's water. probably not the best thing to drink when you're mm, recording a pod. So good. Literally, a Perrier is only just putting carbonation into your body. Yeah. There's nothing, no other qualities to Something it. Something about so. the way the mineral water just hits your whatever going down yeah well i mean i guess that's what you get for marrying into a european family you start drinking perrier weird stuff yeah cool but anyway so sports trivia the sports trivia we had uh we're, we're at that level now to where we're getting contributors so um the the person who contributed this uh sports trivia is remaining anonymous so i'm gonna refer to them as mr x chemical x no just just mr x okay let me find them here okay so um preparation these they put these in their own special order um how many questions so there's there's five questions here Uh oh okay i just need to get three of them two of them i'll be happy with two so all right stump the schwab so why all right, this is number one. Why is the red line broken or have spaces in it? This is for hockey. In hockey, like on the ice, why is why does the red line, why is it broken or have spaces in it? Oh, I, I, Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the little I know space? exactly. It's not all arenas, but I remember this. Oh, I think it was because back in the day, the color TV, you couldn't tell the line, so they made the red line like checkered or spaced so that you could tell 
on the older TVs and broadcasts. So here's what they wrote. In the days of black and white television, it was difficult to differentiate between the red and blue lines, hence the broken red. That's perfect. You nailed it. Great job, Anthony. Thanks. That one was an obscure one. I'm, yeah. I'm glad you got it. Okay, number two. I'm retiring. Who was the first Red Wing to hit 50 goals? And Mickey how, Redman. How many times did he do it? Uh, how many did Mickey do it? Was it two or four? Two. That's correct, too. Yeah. Wow. Good. You're, you're on a roll, Anthony. Okay, so number three. What is the reason for Red Wing fans to throw an octopus on the ice? Oh, that was the sweep. Eight straight games they won. Because um, you only needed to win two rounds in the playoffs to get the Stanley Cup back in the day. And the Red Wings were one of the teams that did it in just eight games, didn't lose one. So the four and four makes eight, so the octopus. So, because the octopus has... Yeah, has eight legs. Okay, do you know any more about the history of it? Um, just like who threw it or people like that or things like that? I Wasn't it against Toronto? Oh, uh, I don't know if it in the finals it was, but I, so here you you got it correct. But here's what the contributor wrote: in 1952, two brothers, Pete and Jerry Cusimano, who were fishmongers in the Eastern Market, threw one on the ice at Olympia Stadium. The tentacles of the octopus were symbolic of a win in the playoffs. In 1952, the NHL consisted of just six teams. So you only needed eight wins, two best-of-seven series, Mm -hmm. to win the Stanley Cup. The Red Wings swept the series that year, and the Octopus has come to be the good luck charm ever since. So, yep, you got it. All right, Uh, these might be a little little harder. This is number four. What Montreal goalie was the first to wear a mask? Jacques Plante. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So, number five. Are they all hockey? Uh, I think this set was. Uh, number five. Keep them this which way. was the first U.S. based franchise to be granted membership in the NHL? Um, I want to say New York. Um, was it the. Is this talking about the original six? Or what is this talking about? I don't understand what the... Like, what was the first... Hold on, repeat the question. So which was the first U.S.-based franchise to be granted membership in the NHL? So like the first team to compete in the NHL from the United States? Uh, I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> membership in the NHL. Was, was, I, it, was it still the NHL when it was just the original six? Yeah, but there was like a period of different teams that were in and out from Canada. But I thought the first one would either be Boston or New York. So which one are you going to say? Boston. Boston Bruins. Yeah. That's good. I'm I'm proud of you. So you you got all you got a 5 out of 5 here. Um so yeah, I asked them. Uh, I asked them which ones you they they thought you were gonna get wrong, and uh, they said the person said that you would 
that you would not get the Boston Bruins one or the Montreal goalie one. Yeah. But you knew Take the that. Goal. You Dr. Knew X. Mr. X. Mr. X. Uh, but you... Uh, but they did say you might be able to, this to show. They said you might be able to guess the Bruins one because you have a twenty five percent chance because there are only four uh, U.S. teams. Yeah, okay. Chicago, Detroit, Boston, um, New York. Yeah, so great, great job, Anthony. Cool. I'm, I'm impressed. That's. So does that mean you're ready for the mystery song? Yes. This oh, is... this is this is my favorite part of today's show. Here it goes. I don't, even, song. I don't even care what the memory is. Right, I'm just here. excited. Don't even, show, don't even show me the screen. I'm just, I'm just excited for him to suckers in. hear what it is. Hold on. Let me get them both in just so I'm fully immersed in the experience. I think okay. I just hit play, don't I? I'm uh, going mid-song. That's, yeah, that's how you Mid-song use instead of intro. Cool. Yes, yeah, so for those that are wondering, Steve is listening yeah. to All Summer Long by Kid Rock. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Thank you for playing. Ruining your evening. <laughs> no. That's... So some of the most creative lyrics ever uh, from that song are, we were smoking funny things and we were trying... Different rhyming things. things with things <laughs> yes. and rhyming things with things. Yes, things and things. I I know that in Detroit, in Michigan, and this suburb surrounding Tri County area, Kid Rock is like the greatest thing ever. Is that the case in Indiana or other places you've been through throughout the United States? Definitely not one hundred percent. So, um, but I do have a funny story. But as far as memory song, I just remember yeah, being at. When we worked at the college and uh, that would come on the radio, like it seemed like every other song. Every channel, every other song. People just were loving it and it was just like it got old very quickly. But uh, It got old before it even hit the radio. But uh, anyways, I was in the Upper Peninsula this February for the dog sled races up in Marquette and we were going to... We were going out to eat or stopped at some of the different bars in downtown Marquette. And Kid Rock's never played a show in the Upper Peninsula. But every bar there, when you walk in, you know how you have, like, the the cork board that'll have, like, posters up for upcoming events or different mm-hmm. musicians coming into town? Well, every single bar or restaurant in their on their cork board had a... a petition there to bring kid rock to oh the upper God. peninsula wow. so we, i took a picture of this and i was just like this is this is the most youper thing ever. this only exists here like youper the like how has he there's probably nowhere else that people are like oh yeah we really need to get kid rock to come in here like it's 2017 <laughs> maybe like back when he was like first come or maybe when this song came out but there the upper peninsula has a, pe- a petition in uh market maybe it's in other cities too i feel maybe like they're all kinda... kid rock only performs off of i-94 so it's detroit <laughs> to chicago and chicago to detroit yeah so did you ever see you know those uh pure michigan commercials yeah you know the guy Love who does him. all the parody ones tim allen 
<laughs> no, he does the real ones, the parody ones that you know they I make fun of, like before. Royal Oak, and they make fun of like yeah. Sagatuck and whatever else. Um, is <laughs> is that is that even what it's called? Is that how you say? I don't know. Whatever. Um, anyways, there's one on there about like Kid Rock fans. Going yeah. To play, well, and he... they're just. He videoing like, people walking around in Roseville with mullets or wherever they are. He has the opening of the Little Caesars Arena for like six or seven shows. Like that's how they're opening it. And why the heck not? Because it sold out all of them in the first minute or whatever it was. There's plenty of people in Metro Detroit. I think there's about 100,000 people that to go to him. all the shows. Mm-hmm. So... I can't like every time they yeah, go to. Every... It's the same people at all of them. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I mean, he's the only people that I think can really pull off a mullet well nowadays is Kid Rock and Jordan, or anybody in the NHL. I feel like Jordan and Kid Rock would get along really well. Yeah, I feel like um, those two, along with like Chris Chelios. Or that guy from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, like they can all just <laughs> Jeremy Roenick. Jeremy Roenick, yep. Cool. Charles Barkley. <laughs> yes. He, they should all go golfing together. Add to the diversity. Yeah, they should all have mullets too. Cool. Especially Barkley. That was a great mystery song, Anthony. Awesome. All right, so now for the main topic. Are you ready for that part, Anthony? Yeah, let's get to it, to it, to it. I brought it last week, and Anthony's bringing it this week. Let's see what he's got. Well, I count on you to bring it every week, so. Well, that's what I'm here for. Good. Anyways, so the topic that we brought for this week, or I brought, is titled The Evolution of News Media. Did you say evolution or revolution? Evolution. So, like, how it's progressed through, I guess, America. Like dance, dance, evolution. Exactly. Yeah. So basically what I was getting at with this is I wanted to kind of go through the timeline from like newspaper back in the mid 1600s to like what we have now. Um, and obviously, So you're talking about different kinds of media? Yeah. So like obviously the newspaper dominated for hundreds of years until like the next topic, which would be like radio, for example, which was early 1920s. Radio edit. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of wanted to go over things like the speed of media through the ages, like how how fast could you get a newspaper and like the hot take news in the 1600s versus what you get now. Um, like think of, for example... When Washington was going to talk about something or had a story or something going on in America, how long it took him to reach the American people versus the president on Twitter. Yeah. So, like, there's that aspect of it, but also, like, the credibility aspect, the honesty aspect. um, So, like, you didn't have George Washington tweeting, like, just cut down a cherry tree, LOL. Hashtag wooden teeth. (laughs) Yeah. So kind of just wanted to go through those different platforms. Okay, cool. Let's do it. Dive right in. Yeah, so I thought the newspaper was pretty wild because that was like the first time you could like mass publish something and spread it around. 
um, to different regions and like really open up what's going on. Um, so what time frame are we talking here? This is like, are we going by years or just by? What? Um, more so by the platform, but okay. this, for example, started in the 1600s in America. So like that was like when you think of Paul Revere, mm-hmm. like that's something that the invention of the printing press. Yeah. So you're not hand copying everything. You have a machine that you can print mass copies of stuff. But have you ever seen those old printing presses though? They're huge, aren't they? Yeah. So for like the newspaper ones for early newspaper stuff, you have to like put in each individual word or probably even letters sometimes, but each individual word for like you think of a front page and you think of like the whole thing, like each article, each column or whatever. Imagine having to put in every single thing. It's like a big stamp, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of weird, but that that was like a very huge jump in technology. Yeah, and I saw that at the Henry Ford Museum. Another shout out to Henry Ford Museum. I think they got brought up in the episode too. Remember when I was talking about the the museum that you can the evolution of toys for kids or whatever. Oh, yeah. Actually, it wasn't Henry Ford Museum. Same district. That I'm talking about. It's the Greenfield Village, which I think they're on the same property. Have you so, ever been there? Yeah, back, cool. way back in the day. When you were a youngster. Back when the let's printing press was let's, around. Let's take the ladies there. Double sometime. date. Double trouble. We'll go to Pizza Popolis after. Gluten-free. Good no deal. Thanks. Um, so, yeah, that, that really carried the mainstream news up until early 1920s and this this brings to us to like the radio the radio is just like compared to the newspaper this is like unbelievable because the newspaper you still had to print it you still had to mail it you still had to wait for it to be delivered and you still had to see that little kid on the corner of the street that's in extra extra read all about it yep still there i think that kid <laughs> yeah the people who did that job back in the day are now those Guys that are spinning the pizza boxes or the the Little Caesars sign or they're dressed up in front of the tax building as the Statue of Liberty or those people that are just dancing. Or they have that little blue check mark next to their name on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, or that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So Taylor Swift. Yeah. And then, so anyways, with the radio, this was like the first time that you could just broadcast from any location and bring it out anywhere. And this was like incredible because this was the first, the first election was in the 1920s when it was, um, I think Warren Harding when he won. Warren Buffett. Yeah, exactly. So that, I thought that was kind of cool. The first one was actually in Pittsburgh. What K- are, wait, K-D-K-A. what are you saying the first election? Like the first time that there was actually like news about the election oh, able, to, for... able to be broadcasted okay. over the radio. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Um, I think that's the first time the option or not the option, but like the, like the whole political bias thing started where like you could have like a, your different types of platforms, whether it was a, a conservative or a liberal type of agenda, you could really target your news one way or another. Um, really opened up when you had the radio and that, because obviously you could do it with the newspaper, but. The radio now you could just broadcast it live. So that that brings into question ethics. Um, so with a with media, like you think of media, the fact that we have free speech and mm-hmm. and 
you know, the role media plays in our society is to keep the powers at B in check. You know, it's a, it's an external source to be able to, you know, inform the public, but also give the, give the people a voice, um, which if that's what it's being used for, that's a very valuable thing to have. Right. Do you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. So that's awesome. Um, but something, and we're not to today yet, but something you see even today though is, um, like you can't do that if you have state sponsored media. Right. Um, right. Yeah. But, but, and which is not what we have. I mean, officially, but you would, if you look at the media and stuff, you pretty much have political party funded media, which, you know, that crosses a line of, of ethics, which kind of sucks. Um, and I don't, I don't know if you're planning on getting to this kind of stuff, but I just, the, the, the trajectory of things that you see happening, like the slippery slope that maybe what you're talking about where it first started being able to be able to, um, you know, broadcast to huge numbers, like quickly, like as things are happening. Um, if you, if you see the power that, that has, you can, as a political party, back one of those things and, you know, put your spin on it, your voice, your agenda. Um, and so a political party, if you have major, a two party system, let's say that's doing that and they have the ability to, um, fund those things i think the the, i i guess put it this way the the problem i see with that ethically is that um media nowadays it gets it gets paid by viewers right the amount of viewers you (laughs) have based off ad revenue all that kind of stuff so you want the most viewers the best way to get viewers is controversy everyone loves controversy yeah. right people are going to tune into that so um so if you're motivated by the almighty dollar um controvert sparking controversy is in your interest so your goal no longer becomes let's uh inform the people and use our voice to keep the political powers in check your your priority is now Let's create controversy. Let's stir up the pot. So do you see how that can... Yeah, I think that that's when when we'd bring up credibility. It, it used to be, you know, who could be the most accurate. Now it's who can be the first, but even more so the first, it's telling the audience what they want to hear. So like maybe bringing up a controversy and not what the actual truth is. Um, I think that there's there's a couple aspects of that that are are good and bad. Obviously the bad would be, you know, the the common hot word now is fake news, but also like when you have these different um, media outlets that are catering towards others, you can look at it as an entertainment aspect too. Like if you just want to hear what your side thinks, you can do that and you can listen to just your point of view and be entertained by that or um, the opposite, if you want to hear like all the stuff that you don't agree with and you don't want to hear, uh, or you don't necessarily like, or it, you know, rubs you the wrong way, you can specifically listen to that to learn the other side. So there is good and bad in that. Um, cause it does 
give you different perspectives on like whatever the main story is. Um, but there's not always the actual story of what happened. It's selective editing. It's whatever they are trying to push with their specific agenda to draw ratings or whatever the case may be in that. Um, so, so you brought up, you know, fake news or whatever. There's the whole concept of a post-truth, you know, society. I I mean, I've heard that as a buzzword coming out. And, I, you know, like where it is right now, and I don't know if you're trying to go, uh, you know, sequentially with these things or if I can bring up things from right now. But uh, I think of when it comes to post-truth stuff like society, you when we have things like bloggers or, or people online, um, journalists that are online that, you know, they're getting paid, they're supposed to meet a certain quota of, you know, clicks or ratings, yeah. whatever, clicks Views, probably. read it, yeah. likes. So the thing with that is if you're motivated by that, you're not motivated by telling the truth or anything like that. If you're motivated by getting the most clicks, you... I, something I've seen is you post a headline like it doesn't even need to be true like yeah you can so you could for example there's this guy I've followed in video games journalism forever who's uh, his name's Colin Moriarty but he recently got in in the spotlight for something he tweeted and um he tweeted something on national day without women or whatever and and it was just a a joke from him but somebody wrote a an article on him that said this guy tweets uh colin tweets racist sexist comment and regardless of what you think what he said was not racist at all there was nothing about it that was racist so basically what happened was that article got tons of clicks so that guy met his quota but then he was able to go back and say, like, edit his article and say, this was a mistake. He was not racist. It was just sexist. So basically what can happen is you can say whatever you want in a headline, but you so there's no accountability there. You can you can say that and amend it later and you got your quota, so you're good. And yeah, I, I think when you look back, there wasn't that, like, the original television broadcast or even the introduction of cable TV it wasn't like that. There wasn't a clickbait. There was people respected the truth more and they wanted to see that more as opposed to what generated controversy. And I, I think that with the, even nowadays, like the cable news is is such a huge, massive industry that for very long has just been a monopoly. Like if you wanted anything good on TV, since like the 60s or 70s you always had to pay the cable company well now until very recently you can just stream whatever you want and you the numbers of people that are paying for a cable tv subscription are just dropping like crazy because now it's you can get netflix or hulu or amazon prime or sling tv and just pay for what you want to watch or even youtube like you like there's so many news media platforms that you don't need to be i guess selectively influenced like before it was just like well you got cnn or fox or you got msnbc and you know take your pick you're you know one of those three is going to influence you and now it's like 
you don't ever have to watch them again and know everything that's going on in politics because of all these different outlets that are forming. Yeah, so like we were saying, as media kind of grows, the question of ethics, if if there's a outlet out there or a you know, form of media platform, people are going to take that and try and use it for their own benefit or their own agenda and you know that's again the ethics question but it seems like if you look at everything it's it's always technology or something that comes in and evens out the playing field or whatever so um i i think back to when i was in high school we learned about the role media played in different elections and stuff and one thing that sticks out to me is uh Think of the Kennedy era. So first off, the election, Kennedy versus Nixon. Mm-hmm. One thing I remember hearing when we were um, when we were learning about that election was that Kennedy won that election, but uh, people who saw that, like people who saw, like so the debates, right? Mm-hmm. So they were broadcasted on radio and TV. People who saw the election and watched it on TV said that Kennedy won and people who listened to it on the radio said that Nixon won and and that was the first time something was brought like that was broadcasted on TV but you got to see what physical or what you know visual presentation did so Kennedy was like a younger good-looking guy like looked more confident and you have Nixon who's like older like you know, Rugged. curmudgeon looking, I, he's I actually, sweating and stuff. You bring like, that up. I actually have a story. I, I I was watching some special about like different elections and races and um, like throughout the years, like presidential races. And um, there's a story about somebody working on Kennedy's team, like to help, you know, feed him information and plan for the debate. And then another person working in Nixon's team, like, I don't remember how it happened, but they like got acquainted with one another and something was said about like Kennedy's like appearance like he's like um like how he looked or whatever and he was like yeah I'm not gonna wear any makeup or anything for the debate or like he told the guy that Kennedy wasn't gonna wear any makeup or look like that for the debate and that got out to Nixon like oh Kennedy's not wearing any makeup or getting brushed up for the debate then I'm not going to either because I like I don't want to like one up him or anything like that. I want to be a man and be like him too or whatever. And there was this, it was it, think of like a pomade. It came in like a little can um, and something got out that Kennedy was going to put this on his face. So Nixon had one of his aides go pick that stuff up so he could put it on his face. Um, but the reality was Kennedy wasn't putting that on his face and he was going to get makeup and like <laughs> not look shiny and like yeah. look like a TV so professional. Like he was sweating and and Nixon didn't have any makeup and actually, in fact, had like some weird pomade that just made him look extra greasy and sweaty and gross. So like he had that like little move. I don't I don't know how it happened, but it like slipped through the cracks and that yeah. happened intentionally, so, intentionally leaked. That's yeah, exactly. So like that happened and exactly like what you just said about how Kennedy on TV looked a hundred times more composed and better, but on the radio, like there was a different. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's uh guerrilla tactics right there. I, I definitely appreciate the creativity there, but that, 
that that had never happened before so that created that opportunity um whereas now nobody's gonna question you need a makeup person you don't put this greasy pomade on your face to yeah, go out there. exactly so but that was that never happened that was unprecedented but even around that same era you know you everybody knows uh kennedy was um had an affair with marilyn monroe and all that stuff but Back then, there was like a certain respect for the presidential office, so that wasn't a tabloid thing. That wasn't being broadcasted and all that kind of stuff. So that was kind of uh, there was it was a different world back then. Whereas now, you know, if a president's having an affair, like every single media outlet's going to. I think bite there would be that. more focus on that versus any legislation or mm-hmm. foreign policy or law or whatever they're trying to. work through again because it's to get clicks to get views to get all of that's what the motivation of media is now rather than you know ethics like ethics Mm -hmm. if you were to take you know look 50 years ago and look at the ethics in media like that is accepted by the general population and even media outlet owners or high ups whatever you want to call them it's very very different i think with that being the trend it's very profitable, obviously, like cable news companies have, like Fox, CNN, whatever, have never made more money with this strategy, and obviously that's why they continue to do it. But I think it's also the vicious cycle for them because, yes, it's it's helping them with profits right now, but it's also making the um, barrier of entry bigger and bigger for these small market media platforms to take yep. market share away. Like if you look at all the pay-for-play subscriptions that are available on all sides of the political spectrum to just get whether it's real news or more targeted news or what they want to hear versus having to deal with the big media conglomerates well i so it being unethical bottoms out like it it doesn't pay in the long run yeah it doesn't pay off in the long run to be unethical in the realm of media like so that you know think about that uh article i brought up as an example about that colin moriarty guy like that at first got a bunch of clicks there or whatever but you that it served its purpose in the moment but you look forward and that guy's credibility is probably diminished no one's you know, people are going to be like, oh, that's the guy that over-exaggerated that. And the same thing goes for... But also, if you agree with that guy, though, and you like that guy, then you probably like him even more that he's... But it wasn't racist at all. There was nothing... Yeah. It, like, so it's not like a agree or disagree thing even with that. Yeah. It's, so there's that. But you think of, uh, you know, I'm I'm under the impression that mainstream media, like the, you know, huge outlets, um, have kind of gone down in as far as ethics and and what they're covering um and that has kind of you know diminished their credibility like i i honestly don't know very many people who at this point they look at you know cnn fox news these things as their main primary source of media that they're like yeah this is my most trusted source like they don't look at that anymore because like it's they've seen the cover's been blown they've seen that those sources just stir up controversy they have or an just, agenda yeah they have an agenda like their their credibility is kind of gone and so 
the cool thing is that has opened up more um more opportunities for things like you know a private journalist or even a private network on youtube or something else i I think whether it's commentary or anything like that opens up opportunities for them and it's cool so i guess like my point with that is it being unethical doesn't pay off like people will eventually want to gravitate toward ethical practices and there will as as on we both keep, sides. As, yes, both sides, 100%. Sure. And as technology keeps expanding and putting, you know, leveling the playing field and, and giving uh, more people the ability to, you know, speak out in from their basement, like in front of a webcam and put it on YouTube, like that evens the playing field. So if somebody's looking for ethical content, if there's somebody out there willing to put in the work and do that, they can grow their business as a journalist or grow whatever they're doing by doing that. And people will gravitate towards them and eventually lose respect for the people who are unethical. I think the cool thing about that too is back maybe 15 years ago when you didn't have this easy way to kind of live stream your own platform, um, some of the, the big names that were working for these major companies we're kind of stuck there. It was either it was either listen to the their superiors and say what they want them to say, or else their credibility would be ruined and they'll never have another job. Now, if if you're a good um, personality on these media platforms and you don't agree with the direction that they're going, it's very much like possible for them to walk away from that and start their own uh, media source and you know, create content and become profitable. And you've seen a lot of the... So are you saying like at this point personalities can, you know, play a big role in media? Yeah, so let's say you're like a primetime host on one of the, you know, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, whatever. Mm -hmm. And like everything's great working out for you, but now your leadership is trending in a direction that you're not happy with or don't agree with. It's I I feel like it's easier now than ever to say, you know, I'm done with them. I'll start a YouTube channel or I'll start a podcast yeah. or I'll start yep. another platform, a network. And like you can make it happen now because one, you've already have the following from the national spotlight. But two, like you have you can fall back and say, you know, I want to be ethical. I don't want to just say what, you know, my superiors are making me say. I want to tell you the truth or I want to say what how I really feel about yeah, this. It puts the ball in the court of the individual because they instead of the they have yeah, yeah instead of the you know the corporation or whatever it is the network because the the personality has the the viewers has the 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 viewers or the followers are the capital in this situation at this point whereas you know when you only had TV or newspaper or whatever like being on the specific platform or the network or the, you know, if you're with the New York Times or something like that, that was the what only gave you the voice because yeah. they had the highest distribution. Whereas now, like, if you have a high, if you have a high, um, you know, followership, whatever you want to call it, like, you can leave that it, biggest media network in your field or in your industry, uh, 
you can leave them and then you can start your own thing and you still have all those viewers. You still have, like, you can be on t- Twitter and just be like, hey, I'm leaving here and I'm starting my own thing. And, you know, thousands, hundreds, thousands of people will be like, yeah, I'm, I'm for you. I support you. Let's do this. Yeah, that's kind of the direction I was thinking of when I first thought of this topic is like when you've just had newspaper, radio, or, you know, even main cable TV, like you just had those big distribution channels only through that platform but now with the internet and social media and streaming capabilities like that's exactly what you said you now have a voice without having to be a part of something bigger you can do your own thing and still if you have the right practices or standards and or even something interesting to say like you can get that following and make it happen with that so you know love to play devil's advocate with all this stuff. Think about this factor, though. Um, the more accessible it it becomes to be a, a voice or a personality like and be out there, um, the more opportunities it, it, it creates for, you know, you, the things you have with like a network or something like that is some, it's somebody's job to keep the vision there at least, mm-hmm. you know, with, whether that's a good vision or not, like at least they can keep, um, keep it aligned, but we can't go under this assumption that all people are, are good. You know, all this power is given to good people. So something I think of is, um, if you have a charismatic person, they can create a YouTube channel and just totally start leading people astray or be like dangerous. Think about, um, you know, go all the way back to the Reformation, you know, before the Reformation, you have, you know, in churches, you have the Bible or whatever, it's only, only get, you know, translated and interpreted, interpreted and communicated by the church or whatever. Then you have the Reformation where any, you know, the, the Bible is translated into English and anybody can do that. And, and that's cool. You you think, oh wow, there's so many more opportunities. This is more accessible for me, which it is. Uh, that that's great. But then also you have the opportunity for cults to pop up who 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 aren't held accountable and and are are capable of leading people astray. I think you have the same uh, you know dangerous opportunities in when it comes to media. And I'm not just talking about politics. It's anything. But you know that seems to be the main thing. But that that exists now. So. Um, then, then you have to think through like the people who are good critical thinkers and able to put in the effort to fact check and do their own due diligence. Those are the people who are going to be most benefited. Um, the people who aren't good at that, those are the biggest targets for other things. Well, I think when it comes down to this, um, people are resilient. So like, yeah, there's obviously going to be, you know, negative situations that, you know, maybe make a dent in this type of thing, whether they create a whatever and get a large following of not something good. But I, I think people are resilient in, in the fact that they they see, they ultimately want to see truth and they want, you know, the common good to happen. Um, so, so I don't think it's a bad thing. I would rather have more free speech, even on the you know, different opinions that everyone doesn't agree on or I don't agree on Um, because it it forces you to be accountable to what you believe in and what you stand for. And, you know, listening to the other side 
is much better than only hearing your side because then you can reason and logic and compromise and come up with, you know, whatever is the best solution. Absolutely. I, I'm a firm believer that the, you know, arg arguing will make the best argument come to the top. So like, I, I'm, I'm definitely not for, you know, trying to limit people and just shutting them down. Under, yeah. I don't want to live under fear and be like, oh, that person could lead me astray. I better shut them down. Or I want the government to shut them down. Like I want anybody to be able to come to the table with, uh, I want anybody to have a platform and a voice to be able to do, say what they want to say. And if, if they have a good argument that works, like I want them to be able to present that and, even if it's a person that's dangerous with their with their argument and it's something that has dangerous implications like there's there's no reason that you know the government or something should step into that like people not sure should... what you mean by that so like i'm going back to the the cult idea or the person let's say you have somebody who has you know dangerous you know ideas that could lead to something bad or whatever. They have the freedom, just like you or I do, to create a YouTube channel, to create a podcast like this. And they have the, if they're a charismatic person, they can start gathering followers. They can convince uninformed people and start building uh, a listenership and grow and grow and start influencing people. And, and that sucks. Like if somebody is a charismatic person with dangerous uh, ideals, they can be a dangerous person. But the thing that should keep them in check is not the government. Like the government shouldn't step in and be like, hey, stop uh, stop saying these dangerous things. They can be dangerous. I, I think the thing that will keep them in check is free speech. Like people who are able to refute their argument or be able to explain to them uh, or be able to, in a public square, be able to debate with them and let the you know public or the listeners decide what is best i mean maybe it was just the way you said it but i think when it comes to safety there's there's room to step in if safety is actually an, an issue and there's that. room for who to step in whether it's the platform that's hosting it oh yeah or, that's fine yeah you know, I, I don't want so yeah you're right that so there's a i was talking about this with somebody recently there's a reason why um YouTube does not allow like beheadings or things like that to be posted on their yeah on their on their uh and that's platform. what I'm talking about like because human safety obviously yes, trumps all of this information like, definitely 100 like if if they allowed people to post that kind of stuff like that is you know that's just making the the line for what is shocking. It just keeps making it go further and further. And again, like we talked about controversial or shocking, that that brings in views. So, yeah, why not just one-up everybody and just put you murdering people on YouTube or whatever? Like, that's going to get a lot of views. But YouTube not allowing that stops that from happening, which is very good. So, yes, I 100% agree. There is a line when it comes to free speech, especially when it's a private you know, company or in industry that is in charge of doing that. They can choose what they want to be that. I think the federal government with the FCC definitely like steps in 
when it's necessary for something like that too. And I think that's, that yep, is a that's necessary thing. Like I'm talking about just like news media here and, you know, bringing different sides to the aisle, whether it's, you know, you're liberal, you're conservative or whatever type totally. of affiliation. I, and the things that the FCC um, regulates is, you know, stuff like language or whatever. It's not ideas. It's, yeah. it's certain words and things right. like that. They, they, I think that's a good, I think it's a dangerous, uh, it, it would be terrible if, if they started monitoring ideas. I think, yeah, you know, picking certain words or language, that's, that's fine. That doesn't bother me. You know, you yeah. have something that's publicly distributed for free to access by anyone who has a radio, like I'm all for the FCC being able to do that kind of stuff. But if you have you know, other platforms that are not as easily accessible or whatever. Um, that's fine. Have a little bit more freedom in your your word choice or whatever to, you know, allow diversity there. If you want to create a, a show, a form of entertainment or news, and you're, you're speaking with a little bit more colorful language just to offer that to an audience, like, that's fine. Like, think, I'm talking about the stuff you see on the internet where it's like, hey, this has foul language, like, be you have to be 18 or older like make sure you know what you're getting into like yeah uh, it's just like when i was on the cruise when i was telling it like there was comedians on the cruise and they have the comedian they have the show for all ages but then they have the 18 and over show yeah. and they start that show every single time by saying like hey this is an adult show like if you're offended by uh foul language or this kind of content probably want to leave like we're just telling you now this is a yeah. disclaimer so disclaimers help those are those are polite yeah for sure trigger warnings <laughs> right yeah for all for all the snowflakes snowflakes yeah cool good what deal else you got on here anthony um i mean that that was really it i just kind of wanted to go go through the different generations of media and kind of the impact they have and just so the, what, like, I mean, I don't want to ask you, like, who are your specific people that you go to for media, but like, what do you, what is your platform for what you go to for media? Like, is it, yeah, I look, I, I, I watch, I look at articles on Yahoo new or news, whatever websites, or do you do podcasts or do well, you do I think it TV? depends what it is during the, obviously like during the presidential debates, you just go to any cable news channel cause it's just live streaming but it. that's that's stuff that's like the actual source like yeah, there's the specific no spin, event. there's no commentary but no, no there. as far as like the actual content or news i definitely don't watch like cable news i i listen to do you find yourself reading more or listening or watching um, what do you do i think that like your general um, like your Yahoo News, I'll just see what the top story is when I'm looking for the Nino report. So that gives you kind of like a, a an overview picture of like these are the things that are happening, even yeah. if you don't read. But the as far as digging deeper to know about stuff, it's usually podcasts because that you really can control exactly what you're looking for, whether it's a type of political issue you're looking up or what's happening in the news or kind of different perspectives you can find 
um, the different biases on podcasts, which I, I kind of like that because then you know what you're getting as well. How do you, but how do you regulate like, so for me, I think it's important to hear out people who are, um, you know, from the opposing views, like people yeah. that are competent, you know, that's, yeah. that's an extremely so, so valuable thing to do. So what I do specifically is if I want, I have a couple different conservative podcasts that I listen to because I want to know that side, but then I also listen to two different liberal leaning news um, podcasts. So I kind of get both perspectives on it and then I kind of just see what they both say and see how I feel about that. Because sometimes I agree with, you know, or maybe not agree, but I I understand the point better when one is saying it versus the other. Because you, as you listen to their different platforms and podcasts, you kind of pick up on what that specific host's agenda is. So you kind of just have to check um, on your own based on the different ones. So you would say podcast is your, like, go-to yeah, favorite I, thing to... Definitely podcast. Are they like weekly things or is it? There's different ones. There's dailies, weeklies. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I would say mine is probably YouTube. If I had to pick one thing that is where I get most of my media from, it's definitely YouTube. I I don't even watch cable or TV. Like I don't even, ha- like we have that at our house, but like only one of the five roommates even watches it. The rest of us, like I just watch all my stuff on my computer, my phone, or I'll put, I'll stream YouTube to my TV, um, yeah, which but... I love. I think YouTube's an awesome platform. Or, I mean, you hear a lot of complaints right now about YouTube demonetizing videos, especially ones that are like taking a stand on issues, whether it's right or left or whatever. Um, but I think the whole culture and um, just precedent that, something like youtube has set is awesome it's it's taken i think a lot of viewership away from the mainstream media which is very easy for a a political party to be able to buy out um and and it's it's dispersed it it's created many individuals that have a voice that the ones that are good communicators the ones that put in the work the ones that create a great presentations those will rise to the top and i don't know it's if you're somebody that values ethical journalism you'll be able to find that if you're somebody that you know is just looking for something entertainment entertaining um you'll be able to find that so i don't know how good it is that we're that all of that is just catering to the people but but it's based off individual interests, but it's just cool that all that's available. So whatever your level of education, interest, uh, you can find it now. Yeah. You can find it. If you're you're a pretty dense human being and you're just looking to hear the headlines and that's it, that's available for you. If you're looking to hear somebody who's, you know, getting in debates, not only with people that are straw man, people easy to knock down, but somebody who's, who's, you know, ready, ready to face off with the most competent of people on the other side of the aisle. And, and, and they're comfortable doing that. And that's your level of, um, you know, intellectual news intake, like that's, that's there for you, which, which is really cool. I I love 
it's just creating more uh, spheres of interaction between things and it's creating more opportunities for people who are competent and committed um, to ethical journalism. Yeah, definitely. They're competent in it, but they're also committed to ethics. For sure. Ethics are important. Never leave home without them. <laughs> Good. Is that how you want to close? No. Uh, yeah, did you have anything else with the revolution or evolution, whatever we want to call it? Um. No, I mean, I, I think that pretty much sums it up. Cool. Do you I have another question for you? Do you do you do Netflix or do you do cable or have, both or we, neither? We have cable right now. I think it ends in June. Um, but after that, I think we're done. Cool. We're going to find some streaming service. I'm not sure which one yet. Nice. But yeah. The I, only reason I had cable is because I like to watch live sports, but apparently you can stream that now. So You can? That's, that's what I hear. Yeah. Legally? No, legally. There's different. It's like a pay-for-play system. I'm trying to. Find the best is one. Is that with Sling? That's one that I've heard. I, I don't know which one. They do it. sports too. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! So that's, that's... got to read the blackout rules and see if all that works out. Yeah, but... I was gonna say that's been the, you know, like some of those streaming services that seem like the alternative to cable. They the thing that they've um, kind of not had the answer to is sports, which obviously yeah. I don't care about that much. So. That's never I'll know this summer what we're going to do, though, but yeah. I don't have an idea yet. Usually you would have to buy the center ice package or the... Most expensive cable to get all the good sports. Yes, or that. Um, yeah. But I just I just watch YouTube. Those It's way more fun. So we'll see. It's more customizable. Good deal. Cool. You know what year YouTube came out? No, what year? 2006. Five. Five. That Oops. Was, Twitter was 2006. Yeah. Those were free. Did you have a MySpace? Yep. Did that involve any uh, media intake for you? What do you mean? Like, did you, like nowadays, like Facebook has like, that's I where don't you remember. find remember. All I remember was just editing my top six or 12 friends. Who was on your top four, top eight, whatever? Family. Yeah. Always. You were a family man. Family first. I had a, a fake account of Captain Planet on my top eight. Good. But I don't know if I would put that on there nowadays. It's more for the it's more for the mullet, the yeah. green mullet. Cool. Well, thank you very much for bringing the topic. Uh, I have the topic next week, and unless just, we come uh, up together, just to whet your appetite for next year. That's whet with an H. Next year. W h e t whet. No, next episode. Sorry, not next year. Um, next week, same time, same place, which is iTunes and uh, Google Play. Com. I I put it on Google Play this last week because we have one person that I'm aware of that loves Android and uses Android, so I wanted to show love, agape love. If you don't know what that is, check out episode three. But uh, yeah, so we're on both of those. But um, yeah, just to whet your appetite, W-H-E-T, uh, we may be having our first special guest next week. Um, you excited for that, Anthony? I can't wait. Do you know who it is? Not a clue. Cool. Good. Well, uh, 
tune in next week to find out what that is, but um, that pretty much closes up Anthony's topic, uh, and that also concludes episode number four, the one and only first annual episode four of Chother Talk. Thank you for joining season us. Season one. Yeah, season one. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or, like I was saying, Google Play so you never miss an episode. We always appreciate your feedback, and the best way to do that is through Twitter, at ChotherTalk. That's C-H-O-T-H-E-R, and then you know how to spell talk, all one word. Um, Chother's an interesting word, so I need to spell, spell it out. Some people think it's with a U, That's because it's I think Chother. I was one of them. Yeah, you were one of those, but I set the we precedent. We took a vote. Steve's yep. older, so he overruled. So I have more voting. It's the the brothers age compromise and i win i have more voting power um but yeah so that's this concludes this episode please reach out to us we love interacting with you on twitter i'll probably post something on twitter probably a image of one of the things we were talking about earlier today but yeah that's that's pretty much it so for now until always love each other's love each other's